I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Baselayer again. I get to have someone who was on the show a long time ago, but now is back, Robert Leshner, the CEO of Superstate with me. Rob, how are you? Thanks for having me on the show, David. I'm looking forward to this again. It's been great as I've been rebooting the show. Obviously, for those that have been listening for five plus years, I'm going to wait a little while because well, I'm running a venture fund, so it's not as easy. Although people like Rob definitely do a very good job with that with his with his friends at Robots and other things that he does, making me very envious that I'm not doing enough. So now I'm doing more. So we're getting <laughs> back not to easy. it. It's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> Especially with the, the, the place, the stuff that we do. It's not easy. But Robert's going to come on. Uh, we're going to talk about his new baby, if you will, called Superstate. Uh, really excited about this as we're trying to obviously broaden the horizons, broaden the reach of digital assets and blockchains. What Robert and his team are doing are really important to bring you know, more TradeFi people in and more of the traditional world in. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about you know some of the things that it encumbers and what you're, how you're building this because it's not easy work. Uh, we know that for sure. So why don't we get to it? You know, for those that have, you know, obviously the library said Robert's been on the show before. You can see what he talked about before. We're going to focus more on the present, not necessarily the past. Although we're going to talk a little bit about that. But why don't you kick us off, Robert? Briefly describe what Superstate has built and what USTB is. Yeah. So what we've built is a first product that takes real-world assets um, or traditional assets and packages them into a fund and shares of that fund are tokenized and live on the Ethereum blockchain. And this fund is only offered to qualified purchasers, which is you know a significant limiting factor. Hmm. But for the holders of the shares of the fund, their investment is a token, which um, they can self-custody and eventually hopefully do cool things with. And you know, for us at Superstate, this is an attempt to pilot a lot of technology that we've been building over the last few months um, since we started the company and work with a number of um, investors to demo an end-to-end flow of off-chain assets to on-chain token. And the strategy of this fund is, you know, a common one currently in the space, which is the fund um, has exposure to T-bills and government mm-hmm. securities, which, you know, for a lot of reasons are in vogue right now. And, you know, for us, it's really just a full end-to-end workflow. And we're hoping to use this as a proving ground, so to speak, for a couple other things. So it's a proving ground on the long, slow journey towards eventually um, hoping to have a registered fund that's tokenized. And it's secondarily a proving ground for demonstrating the technology to hopefully use it over time for other strategies, other strategies beyond just, you know, a fund that holds T-bills. And so, 
This is like chapter one of Superstate's first product offerings, and I'm really excited that we can bring this to market. And hopefully it sets the tone and the direction for a lot of products that will follow. Yep. And as I said, you know, Rob is a professional podcaster too. So he's this is you know, this is hard because he he knows the questions I'm gonna be asking, and then you know, we're gonna go through that. But I, I just it, it's good to obviously be with a pro because some people are, you know, like, whoa, I don't understand. Um, so we're going to go right into it. So, you know, for those that are obviously, you know, you heard, you know, what Robert just said is that you're using, you know, for the first, you know, it's using a wrapper when you're having U.S. Treasuries and T-bills in there. Now, you alluded to it is that one of the reasons why that's beneficial is, well, here in the United States, we've been undergoing quantitative tightening. After 10 plus years of quantitative easing, you know, the government said no more. And no more soup for you. And so what has happened is that rates have gone up and yields have gone up. And so all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, wait a second. T-bills and U.S. Treasuries are kind of cool. You can make a pretty good yield from them. Um, and so that has been the case. But we are now looking down the road to an election year. We're now looking at a Fed that has been kind of changing a little bit. It's tone, maybe. You know, we've done enough of the tightening. So what does short-term usury treasuries, what is the impact if there is a rate adjustment? What could have that impact on what you guys are building in Superstate? Yeah, it's a great question. So the reason why everyone is so focused on treasuries, as you point out, is that yields are high. I mean, right now, T-bills, you're yielding 5.3% for what most people consider to be a risk-free investment. Uh, the right. US government does a pretty good job of paying people back, and it's super liquid. And historically, you know, there have been a lot of times in the past that you know, the Fed funds rate has been 5% plus. It just hasn't happened in recent memory. You know, we've come, you know, in the last, you know, really 15 years, we've been in a very low rate environment. And yeah. so, you know, the norm has, you know, shattered, so to speak, with this quantitative tightening and these increases in the Fed target rate to 5.3%. What kicked off a lot of demand, in my personal opinion, is that it's coming on the heels of rates not only coming from zero, but a lot of assets in crypto inverting, so to speak. So mm -hmm. there was a period of time where a lot of dollars were flowing from off-chain into on-chain because yields were higher on-chain than they were off-chain. Um, right. I have familiarity with this from Compound and yeah. other protocols. But it used to be the case that investors were able to have a higher return on-chain than off-chain. And it really like forced dollars to come into the chain. Um, people were minting stable coins. Mm -hmm. And when rates started going up, suddenly this inverted, where yields were higher off-chain than they were on-chain. And this is what was really, in a lot of ways, the first catalyst for people's demand for tokenized T-bill products. So it's, well, how do I get the off-chain yield from the comfort in the environment that I'm used to, which is on-chain? I have wallets right. already set up. I have a custodian already set up. All of my accounting is set up. To manage tokens, it's not to manage TradFi assets. Right. How do I just get them on chain in a file format, so to speak, that I'm used to and really like? And so that's been driving this. So the real question is, in my mind, you know, will tokenized T-bills be better, even a lower rate environment, than their alternatives in, let's say, a year or two years? And I think the answer to this is actually complicated because, you know, will DeFi protocols potentially have higher you know, return capabilities than off-chain assets mm. if the Fed target rate goes down to 2% again? Probably. But will there still be, you know, a hundred something billion dollars of stable coins that are yielding zero mm -hmm. and off-chain alternatives are higher? 
Yes, guaranteedly. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, the genius starting to come out of the bottle where people are saying, okay, well, stable coins equal zero, and there's finally starting to be some tokenized products. You know, I expect that even as yields come down and the Fed target rate comes down, the prevalence of tokenized treasury products is still going to be increasing. And there's going to be a building comfort and familiarity with those products. And we might actually see significant increasing demand even as rates come down because the alternative on chain for most investors is still going to be zero. And there's still going to be $140 billion basically trapped in a zero return product that's looking for alternatives. And so definitely there will be less of a tailwind, but I think the tailwind is still going to be significant enough that over time we'll see continued flows into tokenized products. And just as I said again, you know, for those that are how does Robert know this? Well, Robert is one of the founders of Compound, which was one of the first DeFi protocols in the entire world. So just, I, I, would, I would give him a little slack here. Um, you David's know, also an expert. <laughs> uh, well, like, not as much as you. But yeah, so effectively, just so very quick rewind, you know, the idea was you had an abundance of digital assets that were entering the market, and you wanted to effectively make them productive. And that was you were basically, you know, creating a way to collateralize those assets and making them into productive yield bearing assets. So that was obviously, as Robert is alluding to, you had a period of time, especially for the last 10 years or so, give or take after quantity you know, before this quantitative tightening period, where there was a search for yield. You know, institutional investors, family offices, others out there were all looking for yield, looking for weird, exotic, you know, esoteric yield. And this was one of the areas that they could find it. And so, again, it's really interesting, as you said, how you're framing it to kind of the pivot and the switch. And, you know, maybe again, we'll see a pivot and switch again. But what I want to focus on now is kind of under the hood. So you elected to use Ethereum as the chain of choice. Now, there are those that there are the Ethereum axes. And, of course, there are those that are the Bitcoin axes. And, of course, Solana has a whole farm of people out there, too. And so does Avalanche, and so does Aptos, and all the other different L1s and L2s that are out there. So I want to get your you know, kind of opinion on why, what presented with Ethereum, why was it Ethereum? Now, I've said this in the past on the show, and people can go find it if you want to, is that I've kind of said that Ethereum is almost like fixed income, where it's almost acting as like a wrapper uh, for you know different kind of collateralized products. And I think it was actually with Tim Ogilvy from Staked, where I might have said that. That was a few years ago. God, that was a long time ago. Anyway, so why Ethereum? Um, and then what I want you to kind of talk about is, you know, what are your thoughts about all the other chains that are happening out there? Could you ever see a world where you can do one of these products on Aptos or Solana or Avax? Yeah, so I'm going to give what might not be the most intuitive answer, but hopefully makes a lot of sense. Ethereum was selected for USTB, which is the token of our first fund, the Superstate um, Short Duration Government Securities Fund, for a very specific reason. The fund is offered to qualified purchasers, and typically these qualified purchasers who are managing large dollar amounts who are institutions, who are not you know, your average uh, trader, typically they're using institutional custodians. They're using Anchorage and BitGo and you know, Coinbase Prime. They're not using you know, a hot wallet in MetaMask. Um, they're pretty much across the board using you know, custodians. And right. You know, they're also interacting with platforms that, you know, historically have like supported the largest networks and chains. And so Ethereum has the highest integration into institutional tools that 
we've seen of any chain at this point. Every custodian supports it. All of the you know prime brokers support it. All of the exchanges support it. Everybody supports Ethereum. And we don't want to select a chain that wouldn't have support at like the service provider layer for institutions. And that's going to change. You know, I think in like three years, you know, every institutional tool is going to be supporting, you know, Aptos and Solana and every chain that gets like critical mass in the adoption of the community. But right. it's not the case today, unfortunately. And, you know, when it comes to picking a first chain, Ethereum has the deepest integrations across these service providers. And so for us, it was a no brainer. But I think, you know, that's, not where things are going to come to rest. Over time, our hope is that, you know, the token can be portable across chains because all it is at the end of the day is a record of ownership of an investment fund. And that record of ownership can easily exist on Ethereum. It could also easily exist on Solana or Aptos or fill in the blank chain. You know, it just comes down to where do investors prefer to hold this record? Where do they prefer to you know, custody it and how does that flow work? And so mm-hmm. I don't expect we're going to stay on Ethereum. I think we're going to be omni-chain where it'll be Ethereum plus multiple other chains, but it's in a lot of ways going to be guided by where's the institutional demand and infrastructure. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah, as has been spending the last few months, you know, reading about data availability and all the things that are happening under the hood. So it's just your mind starts to explode. So for those that want to do that, we're going to try to have people that are on the data availability side too, so you can understand why my mind has been exploding about the use of Ethereum and, and things of that nature. So we'll we'll get there. So we'll get there soon, folks. So you alluded to it. So moving, you know, obviously you've started with you know T bills and with treasuries, but as you alluded to at the onset, you know, there's this whole kind of category of real world assets, collateralized, you know, different types of assets out there. So does in your opinion, you know, could the future soon of Super State, was the architecture really lending itself to the kind of the build out of new types of offerings here that can, you know, touch some of these other types of real world asset offerings out there? First, I just want to uh, interject that I heard you pronounced almost as architecture, and I thought that was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should hear how many times people say base layer when they're talking about their projects and protocols. And I feel like I should have been charging royalties because I probably could have been a very wealthy person at this point. Yeah, you should have trademarked it if it's even exactly. possible. It's such a you know general term. Um, but, no. you know, it's a really great question. I mean, the way I see this is we are building the framework to create tokenized products. And the first one was created with, you know, demand in mind. Where's the current demand for a tokenized product? You know, historically in the last, you know, seven years or so, we've seen a number of teams over the years try to tokenize different assets with varying degrees of success. You know, some extremely esoteric real estate projects where it's like, you know, a building in South Carolina or somewhere. Mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, people try to tokenize commodities in some cases, you know, Right now, based on the interest rate environment and what we were discussing previously, you know, in a lot of ways, the largest amount of demand now, and I think over the next couple of years, is going to come from, you know, decent returned low-risk products like T-bill exposure. And it's the absolute best place to start. But 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you know, I don't think it's going to be a world in which we just have tokenized T-bills. I think we're going to have tokenized everything. And the foundation of a fund that's tokenized can apply to anything. You know, my hope is that at Superstate, over time, we can have products that are much more interesting than tokenized T-bills, where we can have a NASDAQ fund or a gold fund or, you know, a 
you know, commercial real estate, you know, mm. exposed fund and like all of these different asset classes. Because if you can build one fund and tokenize it, you can build another fund and tokenize it as well. And so, you know, we're not going to stop here. I think this is really just the starting point. That's awesome. Yeah, this is, you know, as both Rob and I have been around the block a few years, a few years, Jesus. Every, I think it was, I think it was Zachy a long time ago who said every year is 10 years in crypto. It's basically, so yeah, it's, we're old. I remember, you know, the days where everyone was saying, oh yeah, we're going to tokenize, you know, the Plaza Hotel. And then of course the infrastructure wasn't there. And so the idea, sure, fine. But the infrastructure, not there at all. So, you know, again, what's really special especially this year, is that I'm noticing the infrastructure is catching up to the ideas and to the demand. And so, again, this is exactly what you know, you're saying with, with Superstatus, the infrastructure is really catching up to the demand. So last question we're going to ask, and again, this is kind of fun because I'm smiling a little bit, that this is now, as I said, Rob is OG of OG, co-founder of Compound, basically helped bring DeFi to the world, and also an investor at Robot Ventures, which is literally on the fringes of everything that's happening in early stage venture in crypto. So totally amazing, you know, opportunities that you and Tarun and the team there have been able to invest in. And so on Superstate, this is much more of a regulated kind of, you know, if you're thinking about golf, you're you're going right to the greens. You're not trying to hit it too far. You're playing the course. And so how did your thinking change from you know those types of DeFi ways and a lot of the, as I said, fringe you know stuff of crypto where we're really trying to blow things out of the water to much more of a TradeFi kind of opportunity? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, and as you point out, my you know background and DNA, a lot of ways, is you know OG crypto, and there's a number of people that are you know exploring tokenization that are building interesting products, interesting companies, interesting tokens that are approaching this from different perspectives. You know, I'm approaching it from the perspective of OG crypto, trying to bring the best pieces of TradFi into existing crypto networks. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to bring the investments and asset classes that don't yet exist on chain on chain, where they're not just going to sit there and do nothing, but there'll be, you know, all the things that I've come to love about crypto assets. And I think everyone listening to this podcast loves it about crypto assets and have, you know, the best set of functionality that comes from being a crypto asset that's built the right way. Right. You know, namely, you know, I want boring TradFi asset classes to be programmable on chain, composable with DeFi protocols, transparent, you know, and all of these things that we like about tokens today, you know, paired with the assets that we like off chain. And that's really you know, the goal for Superstate. This is obviously a much more, you know, traditional type of business. You know, our business at Superstate is actually set up as, you know, an investment advisor mm -hmm. that's, you know, reporting to the SEC and that, you know, is structured in a very different way than your, you know, standard crypto startup. Um, you know, everything we do has to have an eye towards, you know, building, you know, conservatively and responsibly and with an eye towards compliance. But it doesn't mean we can't build cool things. It just takes a little bit longer and it takes a little bit more thought that goes into it. But the goal is, you know, TradFi assets, you know, with, you know, crypto superpowers. And, you know, in a lot of ways, this is like the second generation of what some people used to call like the DeFi mullet, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, where, you know, it was, you know, 
finance up front and a party in the back. Like in a lot of ways, I think that what we're striving for at Superstate is to, you know, bring the boring returns, but responsible returns into the, you know, exciting, you know, advantages of on-chain finance. And so, you know, I hope it mixes the best aspects of what I've learned over the years with, mm-hmm. you know, the more traditional investment asset classes and leads to a really cool outcome for everybody. I agree. So we'll put show notes to obviously to Superstate and so people can find that and they can see about the offerings, about all the different structures. Uh, and, you know, Robert, it was a pleasure after all these years catching back up with you again. As I said, amazing just seeing the transformation. I completely agree with you is that you know, for a very long period of time, it was, let's just keep on, you know, talking to crypto people and let's just keep getting them using applications and platforms. Mm, there's 8 billion people around the world. We need to kind of broaden that, you know, reach and we got to create a bigger sandbox. And so congratulations to you and your team. I know obviously 2023 was a big year and uh, 2024 is going to be a big year for you guys out there. So congrats. And we'll have you on again soon. Excited to be back soon. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.